Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Our children are gone today. They're in Sunday school. And I have an R-rated message. R stands for righteous. And... Uh, I want to please God. And I want to help you. And we don't need people standing on a fence. But we need a watchman on a wall. So my text is Ezekiel chapter 3. And verse 16. And this, uh, this has been building in me for at least two weeks. You know that I haven't spoke the last two Sundays. And this has been on my heart and now the day has finally come. And, and I really want to do this the way God wants it done. Uh, I forgot an announcement. Power Hour starts Wednesday night. Ezekiel three, sixteen, And it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, this is what I believe God spoke to me. Son of man, I made you. I made you a watchman under the house of Israel. Therefore, Hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you will die, and you give them no warning, and you don't speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I'll require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked, and he won't turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, then he'll die in his own iniquity. But you've delivered your soul. And I want to preach to you today on this subject. I got the spirit of Brother Wilbur on me today. (laughs) I want to preach to you on this subject. Don't flirt with Phyllis. I don't know of any woman in this auditorium whose name is Phyllis. So that's why I chose her name. But I want to preach to you on this subject. Don't flirt with Phyllis. God bless you, you may be seated. As if it were your last. If you're a visitor here today, you were meant to be here. I make no apologies 
I have no disclaimers. I'm just going to preach what God's laid on my heart. I'm not looking for a favorable response from anywhere but heaven. If I see God going like this, bravo, thank you, then it's good. I would never, anybody that knows me, I would never do anything to hurt any of you. I love you all with all my heart. I want to see every last one of you in heaven. God would that none would perish, and that ought to be our attitude. None would perish. But I'm going to preach it straight today. I'm I'm going to tell it like it is. I'm going to be even graphic at times. But that's what's needed today. From the time that I was just a little boy to this present, there has been a dreadful drug and curse on our society. The strongest drug in America today is alcohol. You thought it was heroin, but it's not. That's just a cousin. Alcohol has destroyed more lives, more marriages, more families, killed more people on our highways than any other drug we have. It is addictive, it is controlling, it is mind-bending. Alcohol can lead you not only to use, but to abuse. One of the strong reasons that we have abuse between men and women is because of drinking. Drug houses are a hidden thing. Bars are an open thing. Because there's so much money to be made in alcohol. People are getting rich off of alcohol. But lives are being destroyed by alcohol. And Phyllis is a flirt. Phyllis is a drug. Phyllis becomes an addiction. She's a temptress. She's seductive. She's sneaky. She doesn't love anybody. She hates everybody. And she's out to destroy as many people and as many lives as she can. She uses the formula of LSD. James chapter 1 and verse 15, it's not on your list, but if you could put it up there for me, Sister Hickey, I would really appreciate that. James 1 and 15, look at this formula. When lust has conceived, the seed of sin is lust. And when it gets planted inside of your life and conception takes place, it will lead you to sin. 
And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Lust, sin, death. LSD. It is the goal of Phyllis for every one of your lives to take you down that path. Lust, sin, and death. Do you remember in the garden what the Lord said to Adam and Eve? He said, when you partake of this, you will surely die. They died that day. There was a separation between God and them for their sin. And that was the goal of Phyllis the serpent all along. He had succeeded. She lusted. They sinned. They died. L-S-D. Genesis chapter 12, verse number one. Now when the Lord, had, the Lord said unto him, Abram, get out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Everybody said kindred. That means any member of your family other than your wife and your kids are not supposed to go on this journey. Of course, he doesn't have any kids, but nobody but him and his wife are supposed to go on this journey. Then he makes him a promise. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless them that bless you and I'll curse him that curses you and and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And look at this. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Aaron. Don't take anything or anyone with you on your journey that God said not to take. There are things in our homes and in our lives that don't belong there. We brought them in and we can't seem to get them out. Lot was not supposed to go with Abram. Oh, come on, uncle. I'm bored with this life. I don't like living here either. I want a new adventure. I want a new challenge. I want to make some new friends. I admire you, Abram. You're such a good man. I want to pattern my life after you. I I can't pattern it off of, uh, of my father. So I want you to mentor me. He tried to reason with them. Even though God had said, don't bring them. But Abram made a mistake. He allowed Lot to come along. God always knows what's best for our lives. He's never trying to make our lives difficult when he asks us to do or not do certain things. He's not trying to deprive us, but he sees the road ahead. And he's trying to prevent accidents in our lives. But sometimes we just insist on having our way. And so they went together. And sure enough, God kept his promise and he began to bless Abraham and and he became very wealthy and he had flocks and herds and lands and and Lot was living off of the extra. 
He got the overflow. And pretty soon he was getting real rich. And pretty soon he had his own ponderosas. And pretty soon he had lots of people working for him. And, and he was wealthy. But here came the clash. The clash of the titans took place when Abram's men and Lot's men began to fight with one another about territory and about cattle and, and about sheep and all this fighting was going on. And so finally Abram came to Lot and said, hey, we need to part ways. If you read in 13 and 9, Abram says, is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself, I pray thee, from me. If you'll take the left, I'll go to the right. If you depart to the right, I'll go to the left. Shouldn't have been his decision. Should have been Abram's decision. I'll tell you where to go. You came with me. Lot never even suggested that because Lot was starting to get greedy. And Lot was concerned about his wife and her happiness. He'd heard all of her complaining about living in a tent. Filthy tent, dusty, rainy, muddy. I don't like living in a tent. I, I'd rather live in a city. I don't like living in a, a desert. I need water. So she complained to her husband on a regular basis. And then it says that Lot lifted up his eyes in verse 10 and behold all the plain of Jordan. It was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou cometh unto Zoar. So Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and he separated themselves the one from the other, and Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Don't flirt with Phyllis. Lot's wife wanted the city life. I want to get in the city. No, no, we can't. I've heard what goes on in that city. There's bad sin in that city. Homosexuality is rampant in that city. We don't belong in that city. Look at how God's blessed us. We've got all this wealth now. God's been good to us. God's not going to bless us if we go into the city. Don't go in the city. Well, you've got to work with me here, Lot. Put us up on a hill above the city then. Let's just get a little closer to Phyllis. Let's move a little closer to the fence line. No, I guess we can't. we're not ready to move in. But they were being sucked in to Sodom and Gomorrah by Phyllis the flirt. And so they pitched their tent towards Sodom. And the next time you hear from Lot and his wife, they will have a house in Sodom. Don't flirt with Phyllis. You're only fooling yourself. She'll make you promises that she won't keep. She'll tell you the city life is a whole lot better than living in a tent. I'll tell you what, I'd rather live in a tent or in the corner of a house than live in sin and have my soul, the Bible said in Lot's righteous soul, was vexed every day. 
But he yielded to his wife. You know what, Lot? I'm no longer content to have my tent door facing Sodom. I want to live there. And if you don't allow me to move into Sodom, I'm going to leave you. Listen, I remember when I first came into the church, uh, it it was all new to me, and there was a a young man, and his name was Craig. None of you will know him. That's why I'm going to give you his first name. You'll never know him. Craig was a great Bible study teacher. Craig loved God. He was an example. I tried to model myself after Craig. I wanted to be like Craig. But Craig had one weakness. There was this girlfriend that he had, and she was a knockout. Beautiful girl. And he liked her for her personality. <laughs> That's, I'm being facetious. But she was beautiful. And he was warned. The pastor warned him. His friends warned him. Don't be unequally yoked. Don't go there. She was Phyllis. She enticed him. She got a hook in him. And one day she came to Craig and she said, Craig, you're going to have to make a choice. It's either the church or me. Because I ain't going to that church. And if you want to go there, then you go, but you go without me. And it's over between us. I didn't think Craig would have that hard of a time. I really expected more from Craig. But lust, when it conceives, brings us to sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings us to separation from God, known as death. And Craig made the wrong choice. He'd flirted with Phyllis too long. He was convinced that he was in love with her. And he chose her. And he left the church. And everybody was shocked and hurt and disappointed. And within one month, Phyllis dumped Craig. And Craig couldn't find his way back to the house of God because of his pride. And what others might say about how he'd been fooled and how he had failed. Don't flirt with Phyllis. She'll take you away from your family and she'll separate you from your God. That's what Phyllis does. What about Lot? Lot lost his wife. She couldn't leave Sodom. The angels came and said, hey, we're taking you out. We're delivering you. We, your, Abram prayed for you and God sent us and we're here to take you out. And we only tell you one thing. When we lead you out of here by the hand, don't look back. Because Phyllis is watching. and She's hoping she can seduce you with her eyes and reach you with her hands. Don't look back. But even though she was being brought out of Sodom, her heart still lived in Sodom. And she turned around and looked at Phyllis. And she became a 
pillar of salt. How do you think Lot felt when he saw his wife become a pillar of salt and knew that he could commune with her no more? How do you think he felt about the decisions he made about the land that he chose and the fact that he pitched his tent toward Sodom and and eventually even built a house in Sodom for the sake of his wife? And now not only did he lose his wife, he lost his home. He lost the respect of his children because he flirted with Phyllis. Let me take you to the Ponderosa. Funny thing about the Ponderosa, it's a lot like the prodigal son. There's a dad, but there's no mother. There's boys, but there's no sisters. So I want to take you to Bonanza. I want to take you to the to the Ponderosa for a few minutes today. I want to explain to you what the Cartwrights are all about. They work hard. They're people of good conscience. They always stick up for the underdog. Their house always seems to be filled with people that need help. They're good people. They're church going, they're ethical, they're people of character. Good people. And they work hard. And God blesses them, and their lands increase, and their, and their, their crops increase, and their animals increase, kind of like Abram. But these three boys that work for their dad are not all the same. One of them is wise, that's Adam. One of them is big and strong, that's Hoss. And one of them is impetuous, and a ladies' man. And that's Joe. And so one day, Dad tells Joe, you need to go to town, pick up some supplies. And Joe's more than willing to go. He's always looking for his opportunity to go to town. Wants to look at the girls. See who's new in town. If the harem may have increased while he was gone. And when he comes to town on this day, There's Phyllis. Oh, and when Phyllis sees Joe, she turns to one of her friends and says, and who might that be? Why, that's Joe Cartwright. You know, those Cartwrights, they're really wealthy people. They got a lot of money. They're real famous around here. And when she hears that, she turns on the afterglow. I heard you're Joe Cartwright. Why, you're even more handsome than I have heard. You hadn't heard anything, you liar. And she flirts with him. And she bats her eyes. And she talks nice to him. And Joe, you know Joe, that's his weakness. He's a ladies' man. And he's impetuous. And when this girl flirts with him, he flirts back. And every time there's an opportunity to go to town in the future, it will be Joe that's asking if he can go instead of his brothers. 
When Joe's not there, Phyllis is flirting with everybody. She lives in a bar. She's got lots of friends because of her beautiful personality. And everybody knows that Phyllis is a flirt. But when Joe comes to town, she don't flirt with anybody but Joe. And she lays it on thick. And they go off into a corner all by themselves. They don't sit in the middle of the room. They go off into a corner where they get their privacy. And they can talk about anything they want. And she knows how to talk. She knows how to bat her eyes. And Joe is beginning to fall for her. And it's conceiving. Lust is beginning to conceive in his heart. He doesn't see it coming. There's just going to be another girl. Next week there'll be another girl. Next week there'll be a... No. Phyllis is going to take him to places that he has never been before. She introduces herself to him and then pretty soon she introduces her friends to Joe. And now Joe is becoming a part of the bar scene. All the drinking buddies that Phyllis has. And pretty soon he's involved with her friends. And they're buying him drinks. Trying to make him feel welcome. Trying to make him feel like a part of the crowd. Let me tell you something about bars. First you're in them. And then you're behind them. I'm talking about the city jail bars. Bar scenes are not where Christians belong. Don't go to a bar to have a soda. I'm not drinking. I'm going to tell you, I've been places that I I cannot even order. Now this is me. But I'm going to offer it to you. I can't even order a Sprecher root beer. Because it comes in a, what looks like a beer bottle. I can't do it. I see that sitting on the table, and that's not right for me. It, it gives the appearance of beer. Folks, you better stay as far away from Phyllis as you can get. Because she will suck you in. That's the way she works. She takes her time and tries to bring you in to her lifestyle, to her way of thinking. She is a seductive witch. She's a witch. And you're falling for her beauty and falling for her words and falling for the temptation. I want you to know, folks, that we need to stay miles away from smoking, from marijuana, from drinking, from drugs, from pornography, from fornication, from adultery. I'm listening for the applause. 
We need to stay away from the internet. Because Phyllis is on the internet. You say, well, I can't go on the internet anymore. I'm saying you don't go anywhere you shouldn't go on the internet. And you know what I'm talking about. You know how to get to places that you shouldn't be. And if you need help, Phyllis will be right there to help you. And when you get in there, she'll get her talons inside of you and try and rip your heart out. Stay away from the birds. Tweeter and Twitter. And keep your face off the book. And don't write and text or sext. Don't do it. Anything you say, you look at, you do. Phyllis and God are both there. God to help you and Phyllis to drag you into hell. And you need to stay as far away from the line as you possibly can. The line is going to shift. And pretty soon you're going to be in over your head. And you're going to say, I never thought that I'd end up in this place. Let me tell you what happened to Job. Once Phyllis realized that she had him, she had seduced him. And they'll, this is R-rated, right? She'll paint her eyes. She'll cover her face so that you can't see any blemishes. She'll paint up her lips and she'll fix up her hair. She'll lower her blouse so you can see her cleavage. She'll raise up her dress. She'll wear tight and seductive clothing. She's doing everything she can to get you to look at her and to be seduced by her. I'm talking to the young people too. She'll want you to get alone with her in a car, in a dark place. She'll want you to go to a place where no other Christian will be because they wouldn't be there. So that's got to be a safe place for you and I to be, to talk about our future together. She's leading you to hell. Her goal is to separate you from God because the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Her name is Phyllis today, but it'll be a different name tomorrow. And she'll be coming for you. And she'll be there to seduce you. And one day she'll do to you what that girl did to Craig, because she did it to Joe. Joe, we've known each other for a few weeks now, and I love you, Joe. I'd like nothing more than to be your wife. Well, you know, this is kind of sudden, Phyllis. Well, love is sudden. Love is, love is impulsive. You just kind of got to go with it, Joe. If you can't be with the one you love, well, then love the one you're with. It's okay. You're only human. We all make mistakes. So, Joe, how about it? But, you know, I, I don't want to live on the Ponderosa. I want to live in the city, Joe. 
So what are you saying, Phyllis? I'm saying let's you and I get married. Let's have the biggest and nicest house in Virginia City. I know you'll have to leave your family, but you can go and visit them as often as you like. I mean, maybe it would be Sunday mornings. Nobody has to know. We can do these things in secret. And we can put on our Christian face and act like nothing's going on. Because we haven't been caught by anybody. What do you say, Joe? Are you willing to leave your family and be with me? So Joe goes home and he says, Paul, I fell in love with a girl. Her name is Phyllis. And she's a beauty. And I just have to follow my heart. Can I tell you about the heart? It's deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? If you want to know how deceitful your heart is, listen to your mouth. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. You will say things when Phyllis gets a hold of you. When Phyllis gets a hold of you, you will say things you never thought you'd say before. Why, you'll talk bad about the church, leadership, pastors, why, your own family, your own brothers and sisters, because Phyllis wants you to leave the Ponderosa and leave your family for her. And that's how tricky your heart is. And one more thing, just a side note. I'm going to tell you how Phyllis finds her way into your life. Unforgiveness. Bitterness. It's I-94. Right into your heart. When you can't forgive people that you believe have wronged you. And you become so bitter and so ugly and so hateful that all you can ever talk about is negative things. That's I-94. Right into your heart. And Phyllis is driving the semi. Go ahead. Talk about them. Who do they think they are? You're a lot smarter than they are. Hey, I'm, on, I'm off my notes here, but let me give you this. Second Timothy, I'm sorry, Sister Hickey, be merciful to me. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 20. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Did you hear that? You're in a great house today. There's gold in here, vessels of gold, vessels of silver, but there's also vessels of wood. There's some Pinocchios. 
And there's some dirt in this house. So if you're thinking that everybody in here is perfect, your expectations are not going to be met. But, listen to what the scripture says. But, if a man would therefore purge himself from these, meaning the dirt and the earth and wood, he would become a vessel of honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. You get to choose what kind of a vessel you're going to be. Don't talk dirty. Don't live dirty. Purge yourself. Be honest. Tell the truth. Admit your unforgiveness to God. Seek his forgiveness and mercy. Ask him for his deliverance. Kick Phyllis out. Give her no place, not a guest room, not even a toilet. Out you go. Out you go. And then he says in the next verse, and flee youthful lusts. Did you hear that, Joe? But you didn't do it, did you? No. No, you went ahead and you told your dad that you wanted what was yours and and he gave it to you. And Hoss and Adam, they got mad at you. They tried to warn you. Joe, she's a flirt. She flirts with everybody at the bar. You're not the only one. You're making a big mistake, Joe. You just don't want my happiness. You're just afraid that I'm not going to carry my share of the work anymore and you're going to have to pick it up. You're only thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about me. And you're not thinking about my happiness. They wouldn't listen. Joe wouldn't listen. His dad tried to talk him out of it. His brothers tried to talk him out of it. But no... You can't, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Somebody makes up their mind, Brother Kylie spoke about free choice. You still got it, folks. If you're waiting for, God, you're gonna have to knock me down and make me not make these decisions. He will not do it. You will make your own choices. And you will be accountable for them. And you'll either pay or you'll be rewarded. That's up to you. I told you this is R-rated. Some will fail and others shall flee. Flee. Youth, are you hearing me? When you and Phyllis are tempted to get in that automobile by yourselves, flee. Run. Get away. Stay in a group. Don't go off in a corner somewhere. Don't Facebook things you shouldn't Facebook. Don't show pictures you shouldn't show. If you and Jesus can't sit down and look at them together, don't send them. If you and Jesus can't write it together and send it out, don't send it. Admit that you got a problem. So Joe, well, Joe, he, he chose her. See, You know what she did to him? Same thing that that girl did to Craig. Soon as the money was gone, his inheritance, he came into town riding high. Drinks for everybody. We're getting married. When all the money was gone, guess where Phyllis was? Looking for the next Joe Cartwright. 
looking for the next victim, looking for the next drink, looking where she can get another sack of money, where she can destroy another life, another family. She's a home wrecker. She's a gold digger. She's a temptress. She's wicked. She's evil. And she destroys people's lives. I wish I, I do have a good end of the story, though. Joe, when he was in the pig pen, let me share this with you. I don't care about the clock today. Hey, if you got to leave, then you go ahead and go. But I, I ain't leaving until I'm done. Joe came to himself in his backslidden condition. Let me tell you about backsliders. Backsliding is when you slide back to what you once were and you do the things you once did. Isn't that a great revelation? Isn't that deep? It's the dog returning to his vomit. It's the sow returning to its wallowing in the mire. Where was Joe? At the mire. He was feeding pigs. It was the only job he could get. That's what happens when we backslide. If you... I have a very good friend, and I'm not mentioning names of people in this church, but I have a good friend, and... uh, we went out for a fish fry one time, my wife and I and, and this couple. And, uh, and this man, I knew that, and he knew that I knew that he had previously been an alcoholic. And we went into this restaurant, and uh, we were going to have a fish fry. And he says, well, how is the fish battered? And the woman said, well, it's beer-battered fish. Oh, he said, I don't want that. He said, I'll have baked And I thought to myself, and my wife thought the same thing. I would have never even thought to ask. But this man, knowing that he had previously been an alcoholic, was not even going to allow a beer-battered fish on his plate where he might smell something or taste something that would take him back to where he had come from. Are you hearing me, church, today? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Well, you know, Brother Kylie, I don't drink any alcoholic beverages. Good. Don't make any excuses for doing that. Don't drink any alcoholic beverage. Can I say it any plainer than that? I'm warning you. Phyllis will suck you in. And your example is vitally important to those around you and to the glory of God. So don't drink any alcoholic beverages. Well, I don't drink any alcoholic beverages, Brother Kylie, but I got this cupboard up here. And I keep this for, you know, people that aren't Christians that come to my house. And and I, you know, they might want some scotch or something like that. And then I, I, I don't drink the scotch with them, Brother Kylie. I just pour them a little scotch. Baloney. Get Phyllis out of your house altogether. If they're coming over to your house to drink, you don't need them there. They want to drink, they can go to the bar. 
Don't put Phyllis in the cabinet. Don't put Phyllis under your bed. Don't put Phyllis on your internet. Pornography is one of the leading businesses in America today. Between drinking and pornography, we have an American society full of debauchery. We have drunken addicts sleeping with everything and anything. I'm telling you, this is R-rated, but it needs to be said. See, our problem, folks, is not America. Our problem is the church. We expect this from the world, but when it comes to the church, shame on us. Shame on us. We've been delivered from that stuff. What are we doing handling it, looking at it, playing with it, flirting with it? Oh, it won't get me. I can, I can, I can look at some pornography and it just inspires me in my relationship with my wife. You liar. You keep playing with that thing and you'll end up in lust, Sin. Death. I'm telling you, cut the head of the snake off today. Cut the head of the snake off today. And you know what? There's a lot of there's a lot of people in this church today that you've played with Phyllis so long that you've become addicted again. You feel bad about it, but you just can't seem to whoop it. Well, we're going to work on that. Here's my last example. 2 Kings chapter 9. I want to talk to you about Jezebel just for a minute. Jezebel was a harlot. She seduced kings. She killed the prophets of God. She even had Ezekiel on the run. Elijah hid in a cave. Great men of God. She thought she had Jehu. One day, somebody stood up to Phyllis. 2 Kings chapter 9, verse number 30. Jehu came to Jezreel, and Jezebel heard of it. Look what she does. This is what a harlot, this harlot did to seduce this man. She painted her face. She tired her head. That means she fixed her hair up. She looked out a window. window, And as Jehu entered into the gate, she said, Hath Zimri peace who slew his master? Yo, Jehu! <laughs> Woo! I've been waiting all day, honey. So good to see you. Come on up to my ivory tower. Be with me. The king's not home. He'll never know. But verse 32 says, Jehu lifted up his face to the window and said, Who's on my side? Who? And looked out to him two or three eunuchs. And he said, Throw her down. 
throw her out of her ivory tower. So they threw her down, and some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses, and then he rode on her. He took his horse. He trod her underfoot. Made sure that she was absolutely dead. That there would be no recovery. Luke 10 and 19, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the Phyllises or the Phils. And I could have talked and made Phil part of this too, ladies. Over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I give you that power. Use it. Don't play with a snake. Don't play with a scorpion. Don't build them an aquarium and say, hey, look, here's my snakes and and here's my scorpions. I never let them out. I just like to look at them. I'll tell you what, one day they get out, it'll be a different song. Your wife will be screaming. The kids will leave the house. Anybody preaching with me today? When the serpents and the scorpions that you got in your house get out of their cage, the whole family's going to suffer. Say, well, I didn't get bit. Well, what about your daughter? What about your son? What about your wife? You willing to risk their life? Throw her down. You know what? Read the rest of the chapter. You know what happened when she came down? The dogs came and licked her face. That was the original dog kiss. <laughs> licked off all of her makeup, messed up her hair. A little while later, Jay, who said, go and fetch whatever's left of her. Time the dogs got done eating her. All was left was her hands, her feet, and her skull. Because one man said, no more. No more. It ends today. And I want you to watch a DVD with me. Very, very short, but very powerful about how you can become addicted to to Phyllis and how you can be made free. So Sister Hickey, would you show us that DVD? My name is Jordan, and this is the story of my life. This really affected me. Um, I found myself just kind of cheering this guy on. He started his story by saying, Hello, my name is Jordan, and I'm a drug addict. And that's how, for a long time, that's how I introduced myself. Jordan went on to say that he wasn't born or raised to become a drug addict. He's the son of a preacher, just like me. He went to a Christian college. He was an all-American athlete, track and field and football. But he broke his ankle his sophomore year in college. From that, I had two surgeries on my left ankle, so I got introduced to Oxycontin. And it was like, you know, I couldn't play sports, I couldn't run track, I couldn't play football. Mommy and Daddy ain't near. So I found my identity in that then. Something that I, at the time I thought brought me joy, made me feel a way I'd never felt before. I'd never, before then I'd never drank, I'd never, I'd never done any drugs, never smoked, never done anything, never took a dip of skull, I was, and I'd never had sex. But until this, the worst it ever got was when all of a sudden snorting it wasn't good enough. 
and I got introduced to a needle, having to chase the high 24-7 because Jordan didn't know who Jordan was anymore. Without an Oxycontin either in his nose or in his, or in his veins, the person I used to be, I don't know if I, I didn't think I'd ever, ever be able to find him again. And I was almost okay and re resigned to the fact that this is who I was going to be for the rest of my life. He failed one drug test and then a second drug test, which meant he was suspended from college and from all sports. They kicked me out of school for a year. They put me, couldn't take no classes, couldn't play no sports for one year. And, uh, and that night, I was afraid to call my mom and dad. I was afraid to tell them what had happened. And that night, I tried my best to overdose and kill myself, which, thank God, didn't happen. Jordan found himself a Teen Challenge, a year-long addiction recovery program. Mom and Dad get to walk me around and get to see where I'm going to be staying for the next year. And uh, comes time, it's about time for them to leave and me to stay. And uh, I remember walking around to the back of the car and I'm bawling my eyes out, scared to death. And I said, Mom, there's no way you're going to leave me here. You're not really going to do this, are you? You love me more, more than, than this, than to leave me here at this place. She said, no, I love you too much to take you home. And, and they pulled out. And the first, first thing I did, I went in my room, I bawled my eyes out like I am now. And uh, I wrote them a letter. They had just left. I wrote them a letter. And for four months, that's all I got to do was write on the letter. And for four months, through those letters, we mended relationships and we became a family again. It was there that he discovered what he really needed, a personal relationship with Christ. And he began to pick up the pieces of his broken life. See, Jordan's story is a story of redemption. He wound up going back to the very college that kicked him out, getting his master's degree from there. I told Dad in, in Teen Challenge, I said, Dad, I'll never run again. I said, you know what, I just feel like sports just really led me to where I was. And he said, don't, don't sell God short on his gifts and what he's given. He's given you ability to run very fast. Ran track that whole semester, ran track for that indoor-outdoor season, ran as fast as I'd ever ran in my life. Now he's a teacher and a coach at the high school he graduated from. He just got engaged and he's just announced his calling to become a preacher just like his dad. And this is the way Jordan finished his story. He said, I no longer introduce myself as a drug addict, but rather, Hello, my name is Jordan and I'm a child of the one true king. Hello, my name is Regret. Praise God. I'm pretty sure we have met. Every single day of your life I'm the whisper inside That won't let you forget Hello, my name is Dee I know you recognize me Just when you think you can win I'll drag you right back down again Until you've lost all belief well, these are the voices Yeah, these are the lies And I have believed it For the very last 
could use a sorry little drug addict like I was and because of God forcing me to be still and saying, Jordan, if you'll take care of what you can take care of, somehow I've got the rest under control. I can take care of story Jordan has to tell it makes me think you know just like Jordan we all have a name tag attached to our story hello my name is and then you and me get to spend our whole lives trying to fill in that blank you know so many times I've allowed my past mistakes the shame and regrets from poor choices to falsely define who I am and fill in the blank with names that I wish I didn't have and that's when the devil will go to work, trying to drill it in our head, trying to make us believe that who we once were, that's who we're always going to be. Well, sometimes it's not just our mistakes or our past that we allow to define us. Sometimes the world's going to go out of its way to make us believe that we're something other than who God says we are. Man, I'm so thankful that for every lie that the world or the devil tries to make us believe about who we are, there's a truth that speaks louder than the lies. One of my favorite verses in the Bible makes it clear, hands down, who we are, what our name is. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called His children. 
the very next sentence says, and that is what we are. I hope you know, and I hope you believe that no matter what lies have been written on your name tag, God's love is powerful enough to erase it and replace it with our true identity. Hello, my name is Child of the One True King. Let's stand together. We have an opportunity today to leave changed. When we come to church, we ought to leave better, not bitter. God ought to be able to speak to us. Lest you think that we are unique in the 21st century, I want to read this short passage to you from Acts 19. In verse 18, and many that believed came and they confessed and they showed their deeds. And many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and they burned them before all men. They counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. There needs to be some house cleaning today. There needs to be some book burning today. There needs to be some confession today. Not confessing to one another, confessing to God, what he already knows. There needs to be some humility here today. And the goodness of God will lead us to repentance. Let me tell you the end of Joe's story from the Ponderosa. I will arise, I will go to my father, And I will say unto him, this is what I'm calling for at this altar. I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So just make me one of your servants. Folks, we haven't sinned against each other. We've sinned against God. Other people may have gotten to witness it, but you've got to make it right with God before you can make it right with us. Can I get an amen? Do you know what was so hard for Joe? This is my opinion. It wasn't hard to come back to his father. It was hard to come back to Adam and Hoss. It was hard to come back to his brothers because he was afraid of what his brothers would have thought of him. There are backsliders outside of this church. If they were all here today, we couldn't see them all. No matter how many chairs we put up. But when they come to this house, they need to find the spirit of Ben, not the spirit of Adam and Hoss. Welcome home, son. Kiss on the cheek. Missed you, son. Ephesians 5, 3. Fornication. Listen to what's written to the church in Ephesians 5, 3. But fornication, all uncleanness, all covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither let there be any filthiness, foolish talking, nor jesting, 
which are not convenient, but rather let there be the giving of thanks. For this we know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God. And let no man deceive you with vain words. Because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not therefore partakers with them. And 17, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And no longer be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I have a hundred of these here. If you don't like the way I preach today, then just take a look at 75 examples from the Word of God concerning the warnings concerning alcohol. You're welcome to take them, read them, and repent. And here's what I'd like today. I have this in my mind. God showed me this. I want to open this altar today, and I want to invite you to respond to the Word of God and to the testimony that you heard. I'd like you to come and be on your knees before the king. Talk to him like he's your father. We've all got some repenting to do. I do not want one person to pray with anyone that is on their knees. Do not walk up to them and lay hands on them and pray for them. Leave them alone. This is between them and God. Nobody prays with anybody. It's just you and God. If when they're done praying from their position of being on their knees before the king, they wish to stand there, that will be a sign to you that you can go and pray with them for deliverance or for healing in their life. But if they're on their knees, you leave them alone. And if they need help, then you respond. But we all need a time of repentance and we all need a time of house cleaning. And I invite you to this altar today. Don't flirt with Phyllis. She'll ruin your life and damn your soul. God bless you. This altar's open for prayer. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.